0: Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Roseberger. Glad to have you with us, hopeforthecaregiver.com. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. I am specifically talking to those who are pushing the wheelchair, those who are staying up late at night doing laundry for a chronically impaired loved one, those who are back and forth to hospitals, pharmacies, rehab centers. And that goes for Alcoholics and Addicts Rehab Centers as well. How are you doing? How are you holding up? What's going on with you? Now, I'm doing this from Denver today. I came down here for a follow-up visit with Gracie, my wife, and uh, meeting with her surgeons. We had one surgeon that gave her a thumbs up on the procedure that was done in December. Yes, you have made progress, but we've got to fix something else. And... That's part of what I wanted to talk about in my opening monologue with you all today. I had a guy one time was talking to me about his wife, and she had been sick with the flu. And he said, the whole system shut down. And I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, well, I mean, laundry and taking care of the kids and, and meals. And, uh, you know, my work, I had to take off time from work and our physical relationship, the whole thing. Everything just shut down. And I looked at him with, I'm being delicate. I looked at him with, well, I looked at him. All right, let's just say I looked at him. And I said, well, how long has she been sick? And he exasperatedly said, four days. Well, I did the mental calculation and I'm well over 12,000 days of caring for a wife with severe medical challenges. And in a moment of uncharacteristic graciousness on my part, (laughs) I said, bless your heart. <laughs> and I I excused myself from the conversation because I really didn't trust myself to, to not say anything else sarcastic. And that wouldn't have been helpful. I mean, his pain was real and he was really struggling and I I felt for him. I, I understand that. And I, I, I recognize that, yes, a sickness can really interrupt the entire system. I, I kind of feel bad though the job description that his wife has, but that's not my circus and not my monkeys. But I, I will acknowledge that a sickness can interrupt the entire system. And, and with the flu, you can usually go back to you know a normal routine. But now as caregivers, you and I both know that um, there's no going back to a normal routine. We have to define normal in the midst of abnormal. And that's the way it is for us as caregivers. So it requires a great deal of flexibility. And you've often heard me say, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape. And <laughs> That's not scripture, but it's actually, it's, it's worth remembering. And, and there was an episode, and Gracie laughs when I remember this, because like, I was actually telling her this yesterday, because we had to change plans really quickly. We came down here for Denver. I'm I'm actually doing this opening monologue on my phone, so that's why the audio sounds a little bit different, so thank you for your indulgence. But we were going to go back yesterday to Montana, and Gracie was feeling very poorly. Uh, Snow was coming down heavily. They were canceling a bunch of flights, but I didn't get any kind of notification that ours was canceled, but she was struggling a bit, and so we ended up staying an extra day. I had to change planes I had to the hotel room we were in, was already booked for last night, but they found another room for us and they moved us into that that was handicap accessible. So I had to move a room, change planes, uh, make sure that things were done back home when animals were fed, all those kinds of things. And, And it's that episode of Friends that they were trying to get that sofa up the staircase and Ross kept yelling out, pivot, 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 pivot. Do you ever feel like that's our life as caregivers? Pivot, pivot, pivot. We just constantly have to pivot. And we we are required for to be flexible. I mean, otherwise we're going to make ourselves and others miserable. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And so as I was listening to this guy, I realized, you know, how fragile his ecosystem was that is when his wife got sick for four days, his whole world was rocked. Well, what about your world as a caregiver? By all the the pivoting that you have to do as a caregiver. How do you handle that? What do you do? We've got this news from this surgeon of what we're going to have to face, and I'll give more on this a little later. You know, We're going to have to change some plans. It's got to happen. Don't want it to happen. Gracie certainly doesn't want it to happen, but our options are thin. So you turn into the storm instead of trying to outrun it because we can. It's exhausting to try to outrun a storm. So you turn into it and trust that God meets you in it. That's our life as caregivers. It takes a while to embrace that. I admit it took me a lot longer than it takes most. But here we are. What am I going to do? Am I going to just fight it? Am I going to scream, kick, fuss, throw my hands up and wail like that poor husband did? Or am I going to pivot and ask God for clarity of mind, wisdom, strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow, and deal with it? And that's where we are as caregivers. There's a great old song. Well, I say old, but Steve Winwood, just roll with it, baby. Just roll with it. And I, I love that line just roll with it. Because if we try to fight this, we're, we're going to hurt ourselves. How's your blood pressure as a caregiver? When's the last time you got it checked? How's your body doing? How are you doing? How, how's your weight? When's the last time you got a checkup on you? So this is how we can prepare ourselves so that we can be flexible. If we are so bent and broken, overweight, struggling to breathe, all these things going on with us, we lose our elasticity. And as caregivers, we need to be elastic. How's your spiritual life? What are your views of God? Are you so rigid in thinking that God has to do it this way, otherwise you're not going to be at peace? How's that going to help you with your flexibility? Scripture is filled with so many places where God did the unexpected and dumbfounded people, bewildered them. They didn't expect it. I mean, go back and look at Abraham and, and, and Sarah. said, so you're going to have a baby. Well, Sarah kept getting older, and she said, uh, this is not going to work. So I got an idea. I'm going to do this. And she didn't understand that God had a different plan. She wasn't open to what God was doing and to meeting God in it. And therefore, she ended up connecting Abraham up with Hagar, and then they made an Ishmael. As caregivers, i don't—I got to tell you, I don't want to make an Ishmael. I've, I've had my share of that. and I, I don't want to try to create something, a mess that God has to redeem that. And so that requires a bit of elasticity in my heart, where I'm open to see that God may be doing something different here that I don't have to be so rigid that oh, say, okay, God, I can only be at peace if Gracie's not having a surgery or if Gracie's not in the hospital or if this or this or this happens. Just roll with it and trust that he is already in it with you. This is Peter Rosenberg, and this is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. If you'll indulge me for just a moment, I have a special need that I would love your help on. We are treating our first ever patient in Cameroon. We've been working mostly in the country of Ghana. We have treated patients from Togo and uh, as far away as Nigeria who come to the clinic in Ghana. And we did one patient in Kenya. But this is our first patient in Cameroon. We're working with a facility there. And we could use your help in sponsoring this man's leg. His name is Cyril. He's an above knee amputee. And... The man who is building it at a prosthetic clinic in Cameroon. His name is Jude. And I, I read to him the scripture in Jude where it says, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. I said, you, you understand the origination of your name was a guy named Jude who wrote that wonderful passage in scripture. What a great name for a prosthetist. And Gracie and I are asking for your help in sponsoring this leg. If you want to be a part of this, standingwithhope.com giving standingwithhope.com slash giving I don't normally do these kinds of things but I would very much appreciate your help in getting this leg for Cyril standingwithhope.com slash giving and we'll give you more information on that as he starts walking and leaping and praising God
1: We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The internet, Hollywood, Washington DC, America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family and we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness and may he give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. This is Frank Gaffney with the
2: Secure Freedom Minute. President Biden finally spoke to the nation yesterday after two weeks of disorderly conduct by his administration regarding the Chinese spy balloon and other as yet unidentified aerial objects. It wasn't very illuminating other than to impress on us again that we are in competition with the Chinese Communist Party, ignoring the fact that the CCP is and has long been at war with America. That balloon's protracted focus on our intercontinental missile bases prompted our Committee on the Present Danger China to convene a dramatic webinar yesterday. It examined whether the Chinese communists think they can fight and win a nuclear war with us. Unfortunately, they have been relentlessly preparing for decades to have such an option with a view at a minimum to coercing our surrender. What's needed is a crash effort to enhance deterrence, not more appeasing dialogue with our mortal enemy. This is Frank Gaffney.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver, and we're so glad that you're with us. Hope for the Caregiver.com. Hope for I have the opportunity to meet some very interesting people along our journey. And I'm always looking for ways to address a topic that affects so many of us as caregivers. And one of those is pain, chronic pain, trauma, physical pain, all the things that go on when you deal with the kind of issues that we deal with as caregivers. Most of you all know that my wife had a horrible accident when she was 17 in 1983. Her body is an orthopedic train wreck. And we've talked with a lot of pain doctors over the years. And in this last surgery she had, one of those came into her room, and we got to talk a little bit. And I was so moved by the way he approached her pain and how he interacted with her. And I've dealt with a lot of pain specialists since I met my first one in nineteen ninety. In nineteen ninety, <laughs> so that kind of give you an idea of how far back I go with this. And this gentleman was just uh, he it really was extraordinary to watch him work and he had a uh, a whole bunch of residents in tow with him and they're all taking notes and they came into the room and we just started to have these amazing conversations and i watched how gentle and tender he was with gracie and and understanding and yet he was just bubbling uh he loves his work And so I wanted to have him on the program. This is Dr. Roland Flores, and he is at the University of Colorado Medical Center. And he deals with, he's a professor, pain management, acute care. And and so I wanted just to introduce him to you all. And let's have a dialogue so that you can understand a little bit more about this journey. Some of you are just now stepping into the world of chronic pain. And I want to give you as much information as you possibly can so that you can navigate this a little calmer. It is not just the loved one that is in pain. Pain is a part of your life. When you're dealing with a chronic pain patient, there are multiple things going on. And if we don't prepare ourselves for it, if we don't educate ourselves, it's going to take us under. So, Dr. Flores, thank you very much for taking the time with this. I really do appreciate it.
3: Of course, very happy to be here, Peter.
0: All right, before we get too far down this road, I know this sounds very fundamental, very basic, but share with us the difference between acute pain and chronic pain and how pain management teams approach those two different types of pain.
3: Sure. So I think when I got started in this, gosh, now going on almost 15 years ago, there was a much kind of larger differentiation between chronic and acute pain. Um, Chronic pain as it has been traditionally defined is a of a painful condition that goes on for six months or more. Um, And acute pain um, falls into the category essentially of of pretty much everything that is not that. The way I kind of joke about it a little is that if you've been blown up, run over, stabbed, shot, um, had a a difficult surgery, uh, some kind of injury or surgical uh, trauma, then my team, my acute pain team, Uh, is who is called to help manage that type of thing. I think what has happened um, in the last probably decade, maybe a little less, is that, like I said, those lines have been blurred a little bit. And what my practice now, what I kind of see predominantly, what I've tried to focus my attention on is uh, acute pain in the chronic pain patient, someone who had a painful condition, again, kind of before something happened to them, whether that's injury or surgery and, and how those two things now interact with each other. And so that's kind of, from my point of view, um, like I said, what I, what I specialize in, um, the, the way that we approach that is to kind of figure out kind of what happened to this patient, uh, initially, what is their chronic pain problem or chronic pain issue? How has that been managed? Um long-term and then how this new traumatic event kind of fits into that whole picture.
0: Well, that's what really impressed me is because when you came in, I've dealt with so many doctors that came in hot with Gracie and saw she's in pain. Okay. We just throw this brick of drugs at her to kind of get her pain, but not not really understanding that this is a woman who's lived with pain now since Reagan's first term. And she's had to work out some of that in her own mind and her body and everything else. And you can't just, jump into this, parachute into this without understanding that kind of history. And, and the way you approach this was what really touched my heart because I thought, okay, fine. Here's somebody who speaks this language, who gets this. And you guys came with this multimodal approach, which I thought was so effective with her that recognizing that, okay, there's no way we can take all of this away from Gracie. There's no way that we can, uh, fix this problem but what we can do is better equip her to navigate through this and i thought man this is something we need to talk about on the program let me ask you this what would you like if you had your wish list what would you like for every caregiver of a chronic pain patient to know that's a big big question i understand it is a big question if you had your wish list on that what would you like for
3: them to know you know it's it's kind of a funny when i think about that a little bit uh, the first thing that pops into my mind actually is that I, I need your help. It's almost impossible for me to um, help people in these situations without uh, the help of their family and their friends and the, and the kind of the people that know them best. And so I, I really think when I kind of approach these situations, uh, the thing I need most is for this to be kind of a, a team effort. And, and I and I realized a lot of times when I meet patients and I meet their families and their caregivers for the first time, um, this, is, this is an incredibly stressful situation. Either something horrible has happened, uh, some, again, some kind of horrible injury or a very difficult surgery, very difficult diagnoses, um, and so I, I'm, I'm meeting them at a very vulnerable time. Many of them have um, seen other pain management specialists have a lot of other specialized care kind of um, working for them, but have some preconceived notions about kind of what I do, how I can approach uh, their loved ones or the person they're taking care of. Um, and, And I think one of the very important things is that there's a lot of stigma, I think, surrounding chronic pain and the management of chronic pain and the, the, the thing I really need uh, from caregivers and from the people who know these patients best is to really know everything that's happening or that has happened for this patient, the things that have worked, the things that haven't, uh, the side effects of treatments, um, how they've dealt with certain situations psychologically, emotionally. And, and I think what I really want people to know is that um, I really want and need their help. I, I, it's impossible to... Um, best treat their loved ones if I don't know everything. And the only way that I can know everything is for us to all work together.
0: This is so important. and You're right. We're so stressed about this situation. And I remember so many times when I would just go into a a panic, trying to get Gracie out of pain or talk to the doctor, put pressure on her, do this and this and this. And I I was just in a free fall state of panic because I'd never seen anybody in the kind of pain she was in. And so I didn't have any experience. They didn't teach me this in music school. <laughs> and so I had to learn. I had to slow down, slow my heart rate down a little bit and learn to speak a little bit more calmly and understand the process. We didn't get here overnight. We're not going to get out of this overnight. And we may not get out of it at all. But what we can do is get through it um, and, and, and walk through it without having a, you know a, a panic attack and And I, I appreciate that very much of doing that. And I wanted the people listening to the show to understand that it is okay to be involved in this, but but it's okay, but we start off by having clarity of thought and being able to explain the patient history and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what are some pitfalls that you would like families of pain patients to avoid? Uh, some some real danger areas for them?
3: Sure. So I think the most, probably the most difficult thing, is when patients and their families come in with kind of preconceived notions, preconceived kind of um, a feeling of how things will have to go. I think that um, every patient is different. Every patient kind of has their own um, idiosyncrasies in, in terms of managing their pain. Um, and so, oftentimes, they come with an idea of how things have to be, um, certain management strategies, certain ways that um, the uh, that they're approached. Or when I'm talking to caregivers, how their loved ones are approached. And I think what um, what I would want people to know is that we have so many different ways of tackling um, the issues that their family member or their loved one is going through that. At least from the beginning, kind of try to hear us out. Kind of trying to see if um, the ideas that we have kind of fit into uh, the notions that they have about how they should be cared for or how their loved ones should be cared for. And I think more time, more often than not, what we find is that we actually are probably more on the same page about these things um, than. Uh, than those preconceived notions uh, would would allow. And so I I think that's probably one of the the biggest pitfalls in terms of management. Um, I imagine I don't have to tell your listeners this, but the, the other part of this too, kind of the greatest pitfall of this, and we talk a lot about this in medical training, but this is a, this is a marathon. These things, um, the The issues that uh, the people you're caring for are going through, many of them are not going to be solved overnight. they They may not ever be solved. And so, um what we can hope for many times is to improve people's quality of life to improve how um, they're recovering from a surgery or from a trauma, but that these things obviously are ongoing. They are uh, long term months, weeks, months, and years, um if not forever. And so, uh, you have to take care of yourself. And I, I imagine, like I said, you talk about this a lot, but that you have to take care of yourself along the way of this marathon. Otherwise, you're just never going to be able to, you're not going to be able to do your best to help m- manage uh, the care of your family member. And so, to really not let kind of everything else go by the wayside as you're helping your family member or your loved one out um, to make sure that your, you know, self care. Um, that you are kind of managing your own life as well as you can. Um, otherwise, I, I don't know that, that you can help your loved one as much as you would like.
0: Wise words. And this is the core message of this program. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. Of course, It's just that simple. And, and so if you can bear with me for one more segment here, we're going to go to a break in just a minute, but I wanted to address that issue because this is an issue I think that a lot of caregivers get tripped up in, that, okay, we're going to see to our own emotional, physical, financial, professional health after our loved one gets better or possibly even after they get worse, but we cannot wait for them to get better or worse to deal with some of these realities. And I also want to address the impact of chronic pain, that is not just, just localized in that patient, that it is part of every part of your life if you're in relationship with a chronic pain patient. We're talking with Dr. Roland Flores. He is a professor in acute pain management, University of Colorado Medical Center, and he has my eternal gratitude. This is Peter Rosenberger. We'll be right back. We are continuing in our study of the book of Esther this week. Find out what happens when a powerful king is powerless to change his own foolish decision, and then discover how God, in his providence, can use human error for the good of his people. Listen to Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net.
2: I just have a hard time believing that many Hispanics who are very family-oriented and or oriented towards traditional values Want men, young men Declaring themselves to be women
1: Going into restrooms and locker rooms And changing areas with their daughters I would dare say that they're more conservative On those issues than white people Yes In general
0: Today's
4: Issues Weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central On American Family Radio The Word of God tells us many times In one form or another Fear not Today in the world, many people are very fearful about some of the many perils and dangerous happenings that are going on in the world. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 tell us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. I'm Joseph Parker and we here at the American Family Association would like to remind you, fear not, Put your trust in the Lord. We'd like to both encourage and challenge you to aggressively put your faith to work. And one way to do that is to pray Psalm 91 daily for yourself and your family and keep your trust in Him. If you'd like to get a copy of the Psalm 91 prayer for yourself, email us here at psalm91 at afa.net. Again, that's psalm91 at afa.net.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver, hopeforthecaregiver.com. That is my wife with Russ Taff on her CD Resilient. And the man who has been instrumental in helping her get back to that place, she's going to get back to singing in the studio, is on the phone with me today is Dr. Roland Flores. He's an acute pain specialist at the University of Colorado Medical Center, and uh, he's no longer treating Gracie in that because she's slowly transitioning now to the chronic pain component of what she's going to be doing. But uh, we met right after her surgery, and I was fascinated by his approach, by his enthusiasm. This is a hard field. Pain management is no easy place to go to as a physician because you're around very difficult things all day long. And you can't solve a lot of these things. You can help them. You can equip them. You can fortify them. You can ease them, but you can't solve it. you got to learn to to work with very high stressful situations. And so I wanted to have this conversation with him today for your benefit so that you can hear from somebody who is at the top of his game of, of dealing with this very painful issue, difficult, difficult things to talk about with patients and their families and yet, okay, how do we deal with this? Because as caregivers, this is our world. So Dr. Flores, I just want to jump right back into something that you were addressing before the break about we caregivers learning to deal with this. And what discouraged me, and, I, and I've, I've really been on a mission with this, is that for so many years, a lot of doctors threw so many opioids at Grace trying to deal with her pain management. Turns out she didn't need as many as they gave her. She didn't need a fraction of that. She needed a different approach, which we've been working on for some time now, but they threw all this, and during that time, and I feel prescriptions, this this will horrify you, but I filled prescriptions of seven figures worth of prescription opioids with her True. over a period of time. And not one doctor, not one nurse, not one pharmacist, ever said to me, "Hey, we're putting a lot of behavior-altering chemicals into your wife's body. You might want to think of getting some help for yourself. And I, and nobody ever said it, so I didn't know. Sure. And and it, it, it caused me to go into a dark place as well. And so that's why I'm trying to introduce this concept as best as I can. To, to listeners, to people, to fellow caregivers, to help understand, okay, look, if you're treating somebody for chronic pain and there are any kind of behavior-altering drugs, whether it's benzos, whether it's opioids, whatever, step back a little bit and seek out some places for yourself to get some help, some counseling, some support groups, recovery programs like Al-Anon or whatever, Does it whatever Wherever you find people who are wrestling with something they can't control and learning to live with it peacefully, that's a good place for you to go find some help. And are you seeing that with family members along your journey, that, that, that they're they're themselves so torqued up that they
3: can't hardly function very well? So it's a little difficult kind of to tease that out sometimes. Obviously, my, my attention is so focused on on the patient. I think, you know, you kind of hinted at something that I think is really important um, th- talking about kind of certain classes of medications and how they affect people psychologically and affect people emotionally, I think we have to really be cognizant of the fact that um, obviously people who are suffering from chronic pain and chronic debilitating pain um, have a high incidence of depression and anxiety that is related to and associated with uh, that pain. And the suffering that's associated with that, and that some sometimes these medications can complicate those issues. Sometimes people had some of those kinds of issues before what whatever caused their chronic pain, and so I think no, I, I don't see it that often um, in terms of kind of how family members are are helping themselves. But I I do see kind of. And and again, I only get a brief snapshot of this, but I see what appears to be complicated relationships. And obviously, we all have complicated relationships with each other. But um, you see some of the um, conflict is maybe too strong of a term, but kind of the interactions between people who um, oftentimes um, are both suffering in different ways. Uh, the patients are suffering because of injury and surgery and difficult diagnoses. And I think that caregivers are suffering from, um, feelings of helplessness and hopelessness and, um, watching their family members suffer as you just explained, kind of in an almost unimaginable way. And I think that we, again, kind of do, uh, ourselves, and and, and I think of myself as a caregiver, um, but in a different kind of an emotionally different way, Um, we do ourselves as caregivers a disservice when we ignore kind of how uh, these very difficult kind of uh, relationships can be um, for us to handle. And I think that those things can manifest as pathologies in, in our own lives that are completely separate from what's going on with those that we're caring for. And I think, like I said, we, we ignore those problems to our, to our detriment.
0: Indeed. And uh, you mentioned something in the last block. I want to also touch base on we caregivers often feel unqualified to even have a conversation. Sometimes we get very intimidated by the, the brain power that can come into our loved one's room. And it is, we don't speak the language. We're not scientists. We're just somebody who loves somebody who is hurt. And I have said for some time that we as caregivers need to um, recognize that we have what I call caregiver authority. I don't know the science of all the stuff that goes on with my wife, but I know her. And we can speak to that and we can provide a historical context to anybody who's treating her, particularly when it comes to chronic pain. And so, and I want to encourage those who are out there right now to, to make note of that that, that, that you have caregiver authority and it's okay to wield that in an appropriate way to say, look, here's what I've witnessed. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've experienced. Here's what I've watched her or him go through. And, and these are things that will be extremely helpful to your physician. I'm going to pivot just a second here, but can you, uh, to this topic, can you talk about this new study that's out on the long-term cognitive effects of, of benzos, benzodiazepines, and um, what we as caregivers may need to watch for on some of this stuff? Or do you, do you put a lot of stock into that?
3: Uh, I, I, I don't know the, um, the study that you're talking about specifically, but, but I do think kind of the, the long-term, some of these kinds of medications, benzodiazepines, opioids, um, other classes of medications they have effects that go beyond um, uh, pain management and um, sometimes we talk about ways that um, kind of in a technical way we talk about a, a, in an allostatic reset, but that you know patients who may take benzodiazepines for anxiety may find that later in in their treatment that they have more anxiety that patients who um, take opioids for pain management, may find that later on they have more pain. And and, and I think these are, um, are, are difficult kind of side effects of incredibly important and useful medications. Um, and that we kind of long-term use of those medications may have effects that um, we are beginning to kind of see kind of that picture um, more and more in, in those patients. And we really do need to kind of watch out for the long-term cognitive effects um, of, of many classes of drugs. And we we now, even within anesthesiology, talk about the long-term cognitive effects of anesthesia-type drugs on patients. And so these are not without, you know, that oftentimes many of those medications are used for the short-term management of, of certain conditions and that um, the side effects of their of their use for the long-term management may be kind of intolerable either to a patient or to those around them. And that those kind of, those issues require a lot of, um, of, of, exploration for both us in science. And
0: well, I, I, I want to address one subject you, you pointed out just there, but we need to watch and revisit some of these things. and, Please understand this uh, to, my, to my listeners here. Please understand that when you're dealing in this world, it's not a one and done kind of thing where, okay, we've got this and this is the track and we're going to be this way. And for decades and years, and we'll, just, we'll just kind of maintain. These things need to be revisited when you're dealing with this kind of trauma or this kind of significant pain issues. They need to be revisited often and have those conversation of, okay, do we need to tweak this to move this or whatever? And this is where we as caregivers can come into play because we're observing this loved one all the time. And, and, I, and so I wanted to close up with this last question to you is what type of questions would you recommend that patients and caregivers have when they meet with their care team, uh, their patients? Uh, care team. And this is, we only got about a, a minute or so, but what what's the main questions or something you might want to have them write down? Sure. So I think this is a,
3: a very important part of this. Um, but but I, I think a lot of patients and a lot of caregivers, what they really want to know is, is what's the plan? What are we going to do right now? If that works, what is going to be the next step and the next step and the next step? Um, because, like I said, I think that there is a lot of people come in with pre- preconceived most notions. They come in with, um, again, feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. And I think what many people want is a plan and kind of what the um, A, B, and C is going to be. And if those those don't work, what the X, Y, and Z is going to be. And and a timetable for that plan, kind of when to expect results, when to worry, when not to worry, to really get a feeling that the person who's helping them the the medical professional who's helping them has a plan, has an idea of where to go, um, and and has some options for them. The other thing that I think really um, helps a lot of people feel more comfortable in these situations, and I think both for caregivers and for patients, is um, who is going to be available to my loved one Uh, while they're here, if they're having a real problem. If they're having a pain crisis, if they're having a psychological crisis, um, if they feel like they need help, and especially at kind of the strange hours of the day, at night and on weekends and during holidays, um, who is it who's going to be able to um, visit them, evaluate them, manage them, um, and, and what is the plan for that? I really think that when maybe we don't necessarily have all of the answers, but if we have a plan, we have options, we have possibilities, then some of that feeling of hopelessness, some of that feeling that um, no one has heard them and, and figured out kind of how to help manage them, maybe some of that um, anxiety can be a space for people. And I think that that's incredibly helpful.
0: Well said, well said. We're out of time on this, and I want you to know how much I appreciate this. You, you really did be a, a solid on this one, so thank you for calling in. Dr. Roland Flores, University of Colorado Medical. And he has uh, brought so much uh, insight to me through this journey with Gracie. And I thank him for coming today. And I hope it's been as meaningful to you all as it has been to me. Dr. Flores, thank you.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Peter. I appreciate it.
0: This is Peter Rosenberger, HopeForTheCaregiver.com. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Peter Rosenberger. Have you ever helped somebody walk for the first time? I've had that privilege many times through our organization, Standing With Hope. When my wife, Gracie, gave up both of her legs following this horrible wreck that she had as a teenager, and she tried to save them for years, and it just wouldn't work out, and finally she relinquished them and thought, wow, this is it. I mean, I don't have any legs anymore. What can God do with that? And then she had this vision for using prosthetic limbs They go walking and leaping and praising God. You can be a part of that at StandingWithHope.com. If you're a parent trying to raise your kids in a godly home, you probably
2: know this verse from Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. That verse from Proverbs may strike a nerve for you, especially if your teens made some bad decisions and wandered from the faith. But it wasn't given as an indictment of parents and their effectiveness. No, it's an encouragement for parents to be intentional about spiritual things. Build godly principles and precepts into your kids' lives, and God will be faithful to care for your kids. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old,
3: he will not depart from it.
1: Parenting teens isn't for the faint of heart. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org.
0: song takes me back a long time ago. That is the unmistakable B.J. Thomas from his first Christian record, Home Where I Belong, without a doubt. I love that song, love that record. My friend Archie Jordan produced that record, and uh, I, I just love that. I grew up playing every song on that record, and, and I still have the, the book that I bought of all the, the songs from that record. It's just a, it's a great record, and B.J. did several more course, after that. But that one, I just loved it. And so, anyway, thanks for playing that. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. I am Peter Rosenberger. This is the nation's number one program for you as a family caregiver. We're so glad that you are with us. Hope for the caregiver.com. Hope for the Go out and take a look at the resources we have. I also want to remind you that the podcast we do is a free podcast. And on that podcast, you'll find all the the shows that we do, special bonus tracks, including the interview you just heard in the last block uh, with Dr. Flores and chronic pain and so forth. All kinds of things I'm going to put out there. Please take advantage. It's a free podcast. Okay? There's lots of stuff out there, so take advantage of it. We're getting close to 700 episodes. Now, you don't have to go list all 700 of them, but... That ought to give you an idea of just how much information is available to you out there. And sometimes it's just something very simple. We have these things called Your Caregiver Minute. It plays on a a lot of radio stations across the country, but I put them out on the podcast as well, some different ones. And they're just very simple, one-minute things. I mean, sometimes they go a minute and 20 seconds, but don't hold that against me. Uh, We have music that I put out there, songs from Gracie, from me, and interviews that we do that are not necessarily going to be on the radio broadcast. And then we'll have all kinds of things to do just to be a resource for you and for you to hear somebody speak in your language as a caregiver. You know, I remember one time I was in Africa. We go over there a good bit with our prosthetic limb work that we do. And I heard somebody speaking not only in English, American-accented English. I mean, it's an English-speaking country. But there are people from all over the world that come there into, into Ghana, where we were. But I heard somebody speak with an American accent, and more specifically, with a Southern American accent. Well, I could hear that all the way across the terminal. It was at the airport. I was like, hey, that's home. I recognize that. I know that sound. And I immediately went over and introduced myself to him and got to talk with him. We actually knew some of the same people, and it was really quite amazing. How much more for us as caregivers when we hear somebody speak in a way that we understand, that that makes sense to us, that pulls at our ear? And that's what I do with this program. That's what I want to do with this program is to do things in a way that are going to make sense to you as a fellow caregiver. I speak fluent caregiver. So I'm going to say things. I'm going to bring topics to the conversation, all kinds of stuff that I think are going to connect with you. I know that are going to connect with you. I don't think they are. I know they are because I know the language and I'm not going to waste your time with all this other stuff or make you have to strain to figure out what I'm saying. I'm going to say it in a way that makes perfect sense to you. Now, if you're not a caregiver, you're going to get something out of what I'm saying, but I'm here specifically for the family caregiver. I didn't have anything like this for all those years. I was doing this and I'm still doing it, by the way, I'm still a caregiver, and and I have to listen to my own program. I have to read my own book. But I know what it's like to have to go through life for years and people don't know what to say to me. And, and they didn't have the vocabulary. And I, and I didn't really have the vocabulary of how to ask for help. So that's why I do the program. And I just... Wanted you all to take advantage of that. I got an audio book out there of Hope for the Caregiver. I read the entire book. It's unabridged. And you can get that. It's it's on Amazon. Uh, there's so many things you can you can get a hold of. Just don't do this alone, okay? I know how painful it is to try to do this alone. I know this. And I'm asking you to please not do this alone. Go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes or uh Alexa or whatever it is that you want to do to to listen to Google Play, whatever, wherever you get a podcast, you can get this one. And you go out to hopeforthecaregiver.com dot and it's right there. You can just hear the last I don't know, ten episodes that are posted up there. And and subscribe to it. It'll automatically push to your phone when we publish a new episode. And it's like I said, sometimes it's just a minute and a half. But it's a minute and a half that could be very important for you as a caregiver when you are in a very low place, just to hear from someone else who gets the journey, to let you know that you're not alone. All right? That's what I love about this broadcast and about this network. And I want to thank all the affiliates that carry our program. Hope for the Caregivers on American Family Radio, but we're also on several affiliates who pull from American Family Radio to run this program. The Truth Network, His Radio and other affiliates that I I really do appreciate uh, carrying the program. New Vision up in Sandusky, Ohio area. Uh, All of the folks that are carrying this program, thank you, because you're recognizing that this is a huge need. With more than 65 million Americans out there struggling with this, it is a massive need, and it's only going to get more challenging. So thank you very much. I want to do something a little bit different. I've been able to go back and forth to home a little bit while Gracie's been in the hospital. And while I have access to the caregiver keyboard, I thought I'd end up with a song. I haven't been able to play for you guys in a while. And I've missed that because I really enjoy doing the music and and playing live for you on the air. And if you hear microphone difference and so forth, I'm doing all this kind of remotely and (laughs) trying to work this out while being a caregiver, while taking care of somebody at the hospital. I did one interview actually from Gracie's room, uh, and and she is going to be on the program as soon as she starts feeling a little bit better. We'll have her on here to talk about her journey. But um, I'm doing the best I can in this situation. I know you, as fellow caregivers, are going to understand. And I'm going to step over to the caregiver keyboard. I came home for just the weekend to take care of a few things and some business, and. Um, wanted to spend a little time at the keyboard here working out some things. Sometimes I just kind of work that out at the piano to help me kind of process some of the things I deal with as a caregiver. You all know that if you listen to the show regularly. And uh, But I also like to play them for you because so many of you all write me and tell me how much these hymns mean to you. And This is one that Gracie sings a lot when she's struggling with pain. And she sings this over and over and over to herself and I'll, I'll play it for her. Uh, at times and she'll do it and sometimes I'll play it on the guitar softly for her and let her just um, sing along with it and it kind of helps calm her spirit down and see see what you think I, I know you know this then she'll sing this, O for Gracie, O for Grace, O for Peter, to trust you. I just love these old hymns. They, They just speak to me. And thank you for indulging me on that. Listen, if you are struggling with something in your life, You don't have time to go back and do an exegesis on a particular passage of Scripture. You are hurting, and you need something that just settles you down right then, right there. And that's what these hymns do. That's what it does for Gracie. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in on her, and she's struggling. She's in so much pain, and she's just, you know, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. And how, listen this, how I've proved him over and over. So it's not just a, in the moment, we're looking back at the breadth of all that has been done in our life. And we have the breadth of scripture to see that. So you got this, like, that's why well, I love hymns like, Oh God, our help in ages past. Songs that are about fortitude, perseverance, strengthening, endurance, you know, this is what Scripture teaches. Now we've got this culture, or, you know, and sadly, in our culture here, well, we got to get out of pain as quick as possible. If it's uncomfortable, we got to stop it. If gas prices go up here, we gotta, you know, we gotta stop it. If we got this, we got this, we got this. All this unsettledness. But this is the time for the church to step forward with some clarity and authority and say we can be steadfast, we can calm ourselves in the midst of this. This is our time to do this. If we don't do it, who's going to? What did Jesus say? You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Let your light so shine. As he shines through us. And we're not exempt from painful things. See, that's the, the fallacy we've had. You know, people say, Well, look at what God allowed you to go through. Look at look at what your life is like. Our life is hard. My life is hard. Your life is hard. Gracie's life is brutal. And yet, if we can trust God in this. And if we can find calmness and peace and strength and endurance in this, what does that say to the world? You know, people mistakenly think they want an escape hatch, but what they really desire is peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him or no. That's the whole point. we got to wrap it up. This is Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll see you next time.